Welcome to 321 I Relaunch, the podcast where we discuss strategies, advice, and success stories about returning to work after a career break. I'm Cheryl McGee Wallace, a special advisor of iRelaunch and your host for today. Relaunchers are most concerned with getting the recruiter's attention. In this series, we get a range of opinions from seasoned recruiters and back to business program leaders. Today, we welcome seasoned recruiter Donnie Watson, manager of talent acquisition at Zoom Info Discovery Org. Donnie started his career as an agency recruiter before transitioning to corporate. For the past decade, Donnie has worked on and led corporate recruiting teams. Collectively, he has over 15 years of talent acquisition experience supporting organizations in a variety of industries, most recently in the high-tech, medical device, and education technology areas. Donnie's passion focuses on developing the true partnership between talent acquisition and the business so the firm can cultivate and form a high-performing TA team. This is part one of a two-part interview with Donnie. Part two of this interview will be posted next week. Hi, Donnie. Welcome to 321 iRelaunch. I've looked forward to our conversation since your firm does not have a relaunch program, so we're especially pleased to glean insights from a recruiter who's viewing relauncher applications alongside with those from the public at large. Thank you, Cheryl, for having me. Before we begin, can you briefly tell us a little bit about your background and experience as a recruiter? Absolutely. So as you alluded to in the in the brief synopsis of my background, so I thank you for that. Um, I've been recruiting now for over 15 years, both as a third-party agency recruiter and more recently for the past decade or so in the corporate setting and a few different industries, working on a variety of different positions from sales, marketing, corporate, you know, G&A um, to technical roles as well, um, both domestically throughout kind of the United States, as well as international recruiting. That sounds great. Thank you. Getting to my first question, recruiters generally have a reputation for being a company's gatekeeper. In fact, one of our most asked questions deals with getting the recruiter's attention. What advice do you have for relaunchers seeking a role with your firm or indeed any firm? And I think it's a very valid question to start off with. Um, there is certainly a lot of white noise behind the scenes um, for a recruiter, whether it be an agency recruiter or a corporate recruiter, that they have to sift through. Um, I can give you a real world example. I opened a brand new position. We're going on now 72 hours. The position has been open and I have 24 different applications already mm-hmm. for that role. Um, most of my positions actually get a higher response rate um, than the example I just gave. So to be able to get your resume viewed and surfaced, it is a numbers game. What I would always recommend for someone who really feels that the position fits not only their skill set, but really where they're passionate about and an organization that they actively want to pursue I've never faulted anyone for directly reaching out to me. Mm-hmm. So if you're able, if you're able to pick up the phone and, and get to the recruiting department, I think that's absolutely a fine course of strategy. Pretending, 
you know, particularly depending upon the role salespeople in particular, I think that's a great tip. Yes. Um, you know, reaching out to someone via LinkedIn directly, whether it be sending an in-mail and investing in that or shooting a connection saying, I recently applied for this position. You know, I'm hoping we can get 15 minutes. Now that said, recruiters, myself included, are bombarded. I probably received somewhere in the 25 to 35 messages a day via LinkedIn, not including obviously emails and some of those. So you can still get diluted, um, but it gives you another shot at it as opposed to just, you know, submitting your application um, and hoping that it, it gets reviewed in a, in a timely basis because recruiting teams are usually underwater in terms of how many roles they're working on and how many people are applying for them. And they're also being directed to try to source specifically for individual skill sets for the requisitions that are being required. So I would be as proactive as you can, whether it be via LinkedIn or other social media messages, whether it be, you know, calling in and seeing if you can get to the person you think is is overseeing the search. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are directions that I would usually advise people. So you mentioned uh, LinkedIn in email. And just for our audience, that is a direct message that you can send through LinkedIn. Um, I always recommend connecting with the person first and giving them some idea of who you are. Uh, sometimes disembodied emails through LinkedIn can be a little off-putting. What has your experience been? So if you connect with someone and you write a tangible reason as to why you're submitting that connection request, I think that can be a very valid approach. What I have seen a little too often um, is someone submitting a connection request to me with no subtext as, mm-hmm. to, as to why, no con- no context as yeah. to why they're, they're connecting to me. Um, and I'm, I'd be, uh, personally, I've become a little bit more hesitant and just accepting that um, people that have written an explanation as to why they're connecting on me or do both shoot the in-mail because the in-mail does does trigger something else at least on my view it lets me know that i specifically have an in-mail in in the box it actually also will shoot me a reminder a few days later going you have this in-mail so it does trigger a a little better uh, or a little higher priority um and then that explanation and even in that saying i'm going to shoot you connection request as well you know I always err on being a little bit more appropriately aggressive. So I would personally do both and have done both in my own career searches in the past of shooting a connection request, explaining why I want to connect with the person and shooting them an email or an email as well as, you know, the LinkedIn uh, terminology states. Great. And I do appreciate your recommendation to be proactive. Um, I would dare say that uh, relaunchers may be a little weary of appearing aggressive, um, but then the the response to that is to err on the side of passivity. But what you're talking about is being appropriately uh, appropriately assertive. Yes, it, exactly. I mean, you want to be appropriate with your communication and, and how you go about it, but knowing there is a competitive job market, um, knowing that the positions that typically would interest an individual to go after, they're probably not the only individual interested in that role. Uh, a couple touch points to try to get you know you better odds of having your background and your credentials viewed, and, and hopefully maybe even having a, a conversation. Um, 
I, I think is only the best way to, to take it. It still might not get you anywhere, but at the end of the day, it, at least you know you, you went through the proper channels and, and you weren't just sitting hoping that someone get back to you. You okay. were being a little bit more proactive, and, and I would highly recommend people taking a little bit more charge of their career and trying to show that proactivity. That's great. Thank you. So let's get into the nitty gritty. What kinds of resumes do you like to see ideally? How long? What kind of format? So length can vary. I, I don't think anyone should write a novel, but I'm not a stickler for the quote unquote one page resume either that I know a lot of people are kind of told to, to trim things down to. I think it really depends upon substance. Uh, most people should be able to accommodate their work history and their accomplishments in a couple of pages. So a couple of pages is fine. I, I think once it goes to three, four, five pages, you're, you're probably writing a little too much and you're not, you're not leaving enough, uh, enough question marks for someone to actually want to drill in. You've, you've probably given them everything they need. Um, and the idea of a resume is to really help highlight what your skill set is, what you've accomplished, um, but to still leave enough for someone to want to have the phone conversation with you to inquire more. So, you know, a, a one to two page resume, depending upon what you, you know, your experience you know, has been. Um, and then I think where people go a little astray on the resume writing, and I'm not as particular on a format, but about the actual information in it, mm -hmm. is if the more someone can write towards what they've accomplished, as opposed to strictly what they've done. Okay. Too many resumes read like job descriptions. Mm -hmm. um, if you're We'll use sales as a good example. Um, instead of telling me you've pursued new business, you know, well, how did you go against, you know, what was your quota and how did you achieve against that, that target? Knowing you hit or over, you know, or overachieved um, your target goals are, are more important to me than knowing that you had to sell new business. Okay. Um, you know, marketing, if, if you've worked on particular, you know, marketing campaigns, you know, what was the success of those campaigns? You know, did you win an award? Did you, you know, increase the, you know, response rate or the click rate by a certain percentage? Uh, uh, anything that is bulleted out as an achievement um, sticks out to me as opposed to something that reads like you cut and paste your job description into your resume. Okay, that's great. And we at iRelaunch also recommend that applicants use the STAR format, so situation, task, action, and result. When you're thinking of results, how important is it to have those results quantifiable? In an ideal world, you know, that is certainly what we all strive for um, is something to be able to hang our hat and something that we can quantify and really demonstrate as a true result. Um, that said, there are a lot of roles out there where it's a little bit more intangible what the result brings to the table. It might not have a true, you know, revenue or, you know, the example of like a click rate. There might be other avenues to tailor what that result looks like. Um, so as long as there is an articulation of a result, not that you are strictly asked to do a task, mm -hmm. but what the result of that task was, I think that reads significantly better, whether or not there is a strict number or revenue associated with it. That's great. Thank you. How do you think relaunchers should address their career break on their resume and in interviews? I know some firms have advised that relaunchers not use, for example, 
that they had an individual consulting firm unless they can prove that it was official that they were incorporated. But some relaunchers are hesitant to leave information or a period of time blank on their resumes. How would you address that? Yeah, so Cheryl, for the example you gave about, you know, putting, you know, I was consulting or, you know, owning my own business or any of that terminology without really being able to verify that, I I think that would be a misstep. Um, One of the first questions, you know, I would drill in on would be about that. You know, if you were consulting, what were your client base? What were the projects? Again, what was the success that you had on those projects you were working on for XYZ clients? And how can we verify this? So I would highly, highly recommend not to put items on the resume that are not, you know, legitimate um, or not, um, you know, verifiable. I've always been one that is just for transparency. So I think you call it out and be open to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen it very successful where someone's put, you know, for the last X, Y, Z period of time, I have been doing X and that might be taking care of family. That might be whatever the, the, the gap, you know, it caused it and, and states it. And at least they've now put that, you know, 800 pound gorilla, they've called it out in the room and hopefully then everyone can move beyond it. And you might have some questions, you know, related to why are you looking to come back now? What level are you looking for? What's really going to drive you to be successful and happy embarking, you know, and restarting and relaunching your career. Um, But at least people know where that conversation is starting off from, as opposed to believing it to be You've been consulting for the last four years when you really haven't. And as soon as you start having someone drill down on those questions and you stumble, then you've started to lose credibility. So I would stay away from anything in which you'd lose credibility. I would call it out. I would explain what you're looking for and just be very upfront with it. And in my opinion, the organization you want to work for is going to appreciate that. If someone doesn't appreciate that transparency, do you really want to work there anyway? Exactly. I agree with that. I can recall a situation I had in having conversations with someone about my resume in particular and how to describe language skills. And someone insisted that I use the word fluent. And I didn't want to do that because I didn't think it was appropriate. Fluency, in my view, gives the impression that it uh, you're a native speaker um, and we ultimately agreed on proficient. So that give that to me is more accurate and it sets the level with the person that I'm speaking with as well. I know the point that they were trying to get to was an issue of confidence, but I think for me it's an issue of accuracy. So I do appreciate your um, insistence that it's, it's important to maintain credibility, that everything that's in one's CV or in one's resume um, needs to stand up to scrutiny. Exactly. You need to be prepared to have questions about it and anything in which there is more gray area. A good recruiter is probably going to dive in even deeper to Mm -hmm. try to get, you know, and kind of suss out the viability of that and, and, you know, how tangible that experience is to, you know, the role and, and, and the position that, you know, an individual is looking for. And do you think it's important to say why one took a career break? So maybe, maybe not always specifically depending upon, you know, 
I'm never going to tell anyone that they have to personally disclose what's been going on with them. I, I, I certainly don't feel in the position where that was a requirement. If it was myself, it's something I certainly would do because I think it, again, leads to credibility as to what I've been doing. I'm being open and upfront with what I've been doing. This is why I stepped away. This is why I had to step away from my career. Now I'm really geared towards relaunching it. And it lets you frame that conversation again, more from a an air of transparency versus, you know, a little bit of a cloudy area where we're, is someone really relaunching their career or has someone, you know, got laid off and just hasn't been able to, mm. you know, find another opportunity where, where they fired for cause um, instead of staying at home to, you know, raise a family. Um, I personally would state why, um, but I'm never going to tell anyone they have to state their personal reasons. Okay. That's great. Thank you. Now, we discussed this a little bit early on, but is knowing someone in your organization the best way to get a resume seen? We spoke about recruiters, but when somebody within your firm brings you a resume versus you're receiving it through a response to a posting, what impact does that have? Yeah, certainly. So so to go on my earlier answer, we were specifically talking about recruiters, the other avenues, um, and I would highly recommend and what would be a more effective avenue is an employee referral. So if you know someone who's working there, someone who can vouch for your work, someone who's willing to you know, bring your resume over, whether it be to the recruiting team or directly to the hiring manager, that certainly will gather um, or, or garner um you know, further attention um, than if it's just in the normal pile that comes in through online web applications. So if you know someone there, particularly if that individual is willing to, you know, be an advocate for you and get background, you know, to the hiring manager or get background to someone on a talent acquisition team saying, you know, I worked with, you know, so-and-so previously, quality worker, good output, you know, well-liked, you know, all, all the good things that we mm -hmm. want from individuals everyone yeah. wants to be working with. Mm -hmm. um, certainly that bears weight when, a, you know, an employee is recommending someone else to work here. So I, I would highly recommend if you know someone to reach out to that individual. Thanks. What advice do you have for applicants who possess some but not all of the listed requirements for a position description? And that is essentially getting to the idea that role descriptions are often a wish list. How would someone approaching that decide whether or not they're right for a role if they don't meet 100% of the requirements? To, to the extent job descriptions have wish list items, um, really will vary based on the job description. Um, there are terms that are usually used in a job description that will let you know whether or not it is a must have or a nice to have. Terms like preferred usually means it's on the wish list side, um, where in an ideal scenario, an individual would have that. Items such as strict requirements where you see years of experience, if you see you know, educational requirements, if you see, you know, languages, I'm, I'm thinking more on the tech side of it, you know, particular coding languages that someone needs to have, those tend to be more of the core requirements. That I would be a little bit more hesitant on applying if you haven't met the verb, if you haven't met the minimum requirements of those that are stated a little bit more cut and dry 
mm-hmm. items are preferred. Um, then I wouldn't be as leery on there. Every organization starts a search by looking at what the ideal is. But in reality, the ideal doesn't exist 100% of the time or anywhere close to that. Mm-hmm. So everyone starts by going, we want, you know, what one of the recruiting terms out there is the purple squirrel or the unicorn. We want X. <laughs> um, and in reality, there's usually a compromise there on that preferred list. So if you meet the core requirements, you meet if there's an educational requirement, you meet the years of experience requirement. If there are certain tech languages or certain, you know, writing skill sets and you know, experiences that you've done that meet, um, what seems to be pretty cut and dry, I would still throw my, my hat in the ring. Um, maybe they do find someone that meets all the preferred and you wouldn't be considered for that reason. Um, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't rule myself out just because someone says they prefer to have this and I haven't done it. Okay, great. And the little side question there, as relaunchers are deciding to return to work, level is also one of the conundrums that they face. So some may be willing to come back at a position that may be lower than where they exited, um, but then others may as- insist on coming back at the level they were when they exited, depending on how long ago uh, their departure, their off-ramp, as it were. What advice would you give, generally speaking, for determining level? Or is that a two-way conversation between the candidate and the hiring manager? It is certainly a, a two-way conversation. Um, I, I do think the candidate, you know, before applying, needs to really, as best as they can, quantify what they're looking to get out of that next step. Um, is there certain attributes within an organization or a specific role that is going to ultimately make them feel fulfilled? Um, maybe they don't need to come in at the same level that they exited and, and something else that might be a little lower of a level might give them that fulfillment. And then I think that's absolutely fine. Um, what I try to steer individuals away from is applying to something that ultimately all the parties, if we were all being transparent, would agree, would not give them that fulfillment where they would feel board where as soon as they get their feet out from under them, they're going to inherently start looking because they're not challenged. So it really depends on what the individual is looking to get out of that. There are probably some really good examples out there of of taking a step or two back and feeling really happy, really fulfilled. Maybe the commute is just really close. So whatever the situation that has someone, you know, need to relaunch, um, maybe there's still, that's still a little bit in play and XYZ role gives them that flexibility to get back to work, but not feel like they're abandoning whatever that other need was. Um, Maybe it is more about really truly getting career on track um, and then joining something that's a couple steps back. You're not going to feel fulfilled. You're you're going to feel that you're you're wasting your time. Um, and if people aren't genuinely feeling valued in their role and, and don't feel that their work they're doing is of consequence or of the level that mm-hmm. they want it to be, mm-hmm. they get just they get dissatisfied and they move on. And that's not a good situation for the relauncher who's trying to reestablish themselves in the workplace yeah. by joining a company and, and looking shortly thereafter, or the mm-hmm. company. Um, Because it takes a lot, um, even if someone is overqualified the role, it still takes a lot to, you know, bring an employee on board, 
get them familiar with the organization. You know, every organization has its little nuances and it takes a little bit of time to, to really feel a part of the team. And if by the time everyone feels that you're a part of the team, you're already looking because you aren't satisfied with the level of the work you're doing, that's a mixed match on both. So really it starts with that internal dialogue of determining what the individual is looking to get out of this next step in their career. Um, and then having that conversation to explain why this position fits it with the hiring manager. Okay, that's a really great explanation. I like uh, that we're focusing on a description of what it is one is looking for, level of challenge, level of authority, skills development, as opposed to the title. Titles can be exceptionally misleading. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we... We, we all have egos, so, um, it, you know, so certainly titles can come into play, um, just as compensation certainly is a topic that comes into play on, on people's job searches and commute. All those are factors, um, but I would highly recommend individuals being less title conscious and more responsibility conscious and, and work output and the value of that work. Um, people will feel more fulfilled. Um take the title aside, if their work's appreciated, valued, and they feel that work has an impact, um, no matter what the title is, then having a nice title um, that doesn't come with those other components. That's great. Thank you. So let's start talking a little bit about fit. Ideally, you want to work in an employer that allows you to bring your whole self to work. What questions can a relauncher ask in the interview to help them to determine this for themselves? Yeah, Cheryl. So I don't think there are cookie cutter list of questions that, you know, need to walk in and ask and and sound robotic. I don't, (laughs) that's not how uh, a candidate's going to want to come across. Um, I certainly don't want anyone on, you know, my recruiting teams or my hiring managers to sound robotic because I think you don't have a genuine conversation. You can't get to knowing the individual if everyone's on a script. So I do think the coming up and determining what questions one needs to ask, it's really going to vary based on what that individual um, is looking to get out of the conversation. So I think more importantly than a list of you need to ask X, Y, Z question followed by one, two, three question and and going through an order, it is really thinking about the role thinking about the company, thinking about the decision to potentially pursue this opportunity and having a game plan walking into that conversation to determine what you need to know about the team, the manager, the organization for you to make an assessment where I think, you know, individuals either starting their career or trying to relaunch it can, you know, hit a pitfall is by by feeling that they, that that the interview is not a dialogue that they are continually having to sell themselves as to why they can do XYZ job or why they should be considered for the role. Um, and they are not questioning enough and asking enough probing questions to determine on their end, um, is the position, is the organization the right fit? Interviews yeah. should, should be a dialogue, not two separate monologues. 
So whether it is asking about managerial style, asking about, you know, career progression and development, asking about, you know, autonomy to to achieve the work, whatever is really important to the individual, they should feel empowered to ask those questions. And that I think is more important than what those questions are, because it's going to tailor per the individual. It might, mm-hmm. Maybe it is, you know, being able to work a little remote or a little flex time depending upon a situation. Maybe it is the, the depth of the projects they're getting to work on. Maybe it is, you know, the products that's coming out from the organization. If they're trying to get into sales, like how do they know they're going to, the product's going to stay current and viable so they can have a true sales career there where they're always working with the latest and greatest technology or whatever that product line is to get out to prospective clients or existing clients. They just need to feel empowered to ask those questions. And I would really advise doing the homework ahead of time to determine what they need to get out of the conversations based on who they're meeting with to figure out for themselves if this an opportunity that they want to pursue. It is truly a two-way street. The company is going to evaluate the individual for, you know, fit, skill set, all those components. The candidate needs to feel empowered to do the same to make sure it's a fit on their end. Great. And in terms of um, getting information about the person with whom you're interviewing, I always ask for a bio and as much background as I can get. I recently read an article in the Financial Times where someone suggested asking for the interviewer's resume and that that would be a telltale sign of how open the firm was. How would you respond to a request like that? Admittedly, I've, I've never had a request like that. Um, I think asking for a specific resume, depending on obviously how long individuals have been in an organization, they might not have an accurate or current resume. And individuals been with an organization going on multiple years, has switched roles a few times. You know, their last resume is probably outdated. Um, what I recommend and, and what I've practiced myself while going into interviews there is so much information right now out there and available and accessible. Use tools, you know, like LinkedIn, and dig into that background. Mm-hmm. Um, where I probably would reach out to the recruiter or who's ever scheduling the interview for additional information is if someone on that interview team, if I'm unable to find them through other channels. One, okay. I think it, it shows a demonstration of. I did legwork. I'm really interested. I've tried to research uh, to get more information. Um, this person, for whatever reason, doesn't seem to be available. Can you give me a little insight into into their experience, into their background? So not asking for a resume, but asking for insight. Um, and I, I couldn't imagine a situation where I or, or my team or, or teams I've been on in the past wouldn't um, you know, give that or provide that type of insight into the individuals that they're going to meet with. Great. Thank you. That concludes part one of our interview with Donnie Watson, seasoned recruiter and manager of talent acquisition at Zoom Info Discovery Org. Be sure to tune in next week for part two. And thanks for listening to 321i Relaunch, the podcast where we discuss strategies, advice, and success stories about returning to work after a career break. I'm Cheryl McGee-Wallace, your host. For more information on iRelaunch, please go to iRelaunch.com. 
And if you like this podcast, please be sure to rate it on iTunes and your favorite podcast platform. And be sure to share this podcast with a friend on Facebook, Twitter, and other social media. Thanks for joining us.